Stacy Weimer. I'm a 43-year-old single mom working full-time and developing and producing my first podcast called Man Shopping. And I know man shopping can sound a little flippant or off-putting, but it's definitely not. It's just a silly little comparison between online dating and online shopping. And the podcast really is intended to be a single mom's guide to happiness in your 40s. So I'm looking forward beginning next week on May 21st to spread some joy and optimism and hopefully a little inspiration to women like me. This From the Heart podcast is presented by Orange Kiwi Consulting. The three most challenging transitions owners face, namely scale, sale and succession, can often result in costly and confusing journeys. But the good news is it doesn't need to be that way. At Orange Kiwi, we help our clients succeed where others have failed by coming alongside them to help them navigate the challenges others simply aren't able to. We understand how to help you avoid that costly and confusing journey that comes with realizing the results that you really want. Visit our website today at orangekiwillc.com and use the code HLG2021 to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation and find out for yourself how we can help you gain greater clarity confidence and control while experiencing less stress and more satisfaction. You're a 43-year-old divorced woman. Um, I'm assuming that there are a lot of you know, men that will listen as well because for whatever reasons, they're woman shopping, if you will. Right. So talk about the impetus behind this and where the idea for doing a podcast of this came around. Yeah, thanks for asking. So yeah. um, I spent some time on a dating app called Bumble for about eight months. And as I went on dates or considered swiping right on a man <laughs> that I might be interested <laughs> in, I shared, I'm just an open book, and I shared every detail with my two best girlfriends who both happen to be happily married mothers who are just a few years older than me. And similar to what you have found with your other married friends, it, this world of online dating is foreign and it's kind of captivating and, and weird and different, you know? So I would share my dating stories or just um, experiences I had, you know, texting with men or talking to them through Zoom during COVID, things like that. And my girlfriends were just so intrigued by it that they're mm. like, you've got to record this. Like you need to do something with these stories. And I've spoken to a lot of um, other singles, men and women, and it's really common what what I have found with people wanting to do something with this material because it feels like gold. You have the funniest, silliest, wackiest things happen as, you know, an older adult dating. Um, and it just feels too good to like pass up doing something with it. So what I started doing was, um, voice recording my stories onto my phone. It was during COVID and I was going on a lot of walks with my dog, you know, throughout the day and sure. I had time on my hands. So I would just speak into my phone and my girlfriends and I started like nicknaming the men because they couldn't keep up with who we were talking about. And so yeah. I'd be like, oh, you know, um, John Denver, that was actually a guy that <laughs> we, we coined him, nice. John, De John Denver. And so I would tell the story of John Denver and I, they they told me, they're like, if you're going to write a book or do something with this, it needs to sound like you. It needs to sound like this genuine, transparent Stacy that they know so well. So that's what I started doing. And I actually, I actually started turning it into a book. So I have about a half of a book's worth of material. Um, every single chapter is a different man with their nickname, mm. what they looked like, their, where they're at in life, what they do for a living, their, their divorce situation, child situation, all of that. And then every single transparent little detail that happened between the two of us, whether it was just we sparked a connection, I thought he was great, we did FaceTime for a while, and then something happened and we stopped talking, or I've had some interesting um, stories like that happen, but it the book that I'm in process of writing is all of these explicit details, um, like just unabashed, like just all of it's out there. Um, but the podcast really took on a light to answer your question in a very long format, <laughs> because I started, I started researching, how do you market a book? Like I'm nobody, I'm a mm. medical device representative. I'm not an author, right. you know? And yeah. so everything that I learned was like, 
start a podcast, find, you know, find um, the people who are interested in your material, get relationships with, you know, your audience or your hopeful audience and find out what they're really looking for. Um, and now I feel like even though the podcast is just getting ready to launch, I feel like maybe more passionate about podcasting than I do writing the book. Than writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because I, they talk about how trends come back, you know, with fashion or with movies or what have you. And, you know, we started with the spoken word. This, this world started with words being spoken and then it happened. And up until really social media, I think everything was spoken word. And then we got into the written word, which you and I both know can be interpreted a million different ways. And, um, I love that, like with Clubhouse and now with podcasting and so forth, we're back to the spoken word. It's easier, I think. I think podcasts are going to maybe never replace books, obviously, but certainly the the power of the podcast, as you and I know, we met through Clubhouse, which was on an all audio format, is very powerful because you get to express, you get to hear the inflection and the emotion in the voice. Whereas if you type something, I read it my way, not necessarily the way you intended. Yeah. What are you finding is the big difference between dating as a 43-year-old divorced woman versus maybe when you were a teenager or in your 20s? I think, um, I think when like I was a teenager or in college, everyone was fair game. Everyone I went to school with was my age. We were all in the same place in life. It was a fair assumption that the guy sitting next to you, I mean, he could have a girlfriend, but you could probably tell by his body language yeah. and how he acted towards you. Um, now it's so hard to know um, how old someone is just because they don't have a ring on doesn't mean they're not married. Um, right. It's, I don't, I don't get approached. I, I tell people that a lot, and and sometimes people are surprised. Well, you're single, you're extroverted, you're out a lot. I have a lot of friends. I'm very sociable. Um, it's it's uh, the landscape has just changed. I don't know how to say that. I think me too maybe has a little bit to do with it. Um, maybe even just the idea that you know I could be gay, I could be closed off to wanting to meet a man. You never know just by yeah. looking at someone. And so I feel like that organic meet just doesn't happen anymore. So that means you have to be open to other platforms and ways to network and get to know other single people. And it's hard. It's hard. And I would imagine that the other thing, too, that you didn't mention yet is the X factor of now you're a mom, whereas you're, you're not just dating for you and who, who are you compatible with, but you have to be thinking in terms of, because we have a... My wife and I have a, well, we have four kids, but we have a 30-year-old single daughter divorced who lives with us, has two boys. So every guy has to be a potential dad candidate for the boys as well. Not like right out of the sure. gate, but she's very cautious about introducing anybody to her boys Absolutely. until it's somewhat of a commitment. So I'm guessing you face that as well. For sure. And I've, yeah. I've spoken with other women in my boat with kids of different in different age categories, and my daughter is turning 16 next month. Um, it still matters. You know, my, sure. my mother remarried in her late fifties and her husband, um, is one of my favorite people on the planet mm. and has impacted my life greatly. Um, over the past 10 years, she chose well, he's a great grandfather to my daughter. He's, um, he's just, he's one of my very favorite family members. He's my stepdad. Um, it always matters. You know, we, they, whoever, if you, you know, get into a serious relationship or a marriage, um, no matter what point in life, um, that's family, you know? So I, yeah. it is important. And I, to, um, you know, I can relate to your daughter, um, with younger kids too. Uh, I've been married twice. So okay. I was married to Lainey's dad for seven years and then single in, in, I was 30 also. And Lainey was little, she was only about four. So dating at that time, um, well, first of all, it's hard because you have to juggle, you know, a young child or in your yeah. daughter's case, a couple of kids and their schedules and their routines, oftentimes shared time and custody with, you know, the other parent and then who you're dating yeah most of the time is in the same boat. So um, sure. I ran into that with my second husband because he has two daughters that flank my daughter on either side by less than a year. So when we met um, through online dating as well, I met him on Match.com when I was 31, I think, 32. Um, our girls were five, six, and seven years old. I mean, yeah. they dated with us. 
they were there. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. It was, I mean? it was like, let's go to the soccer yeah. game, you know, let's go to the soccer yeah. game and get pizza together afterwards. Um, so yeah, it's, it's challenging. And you know, one of my biggest challenges now, and I'm, I'm very direct about it is I'm going to be a very young empty nester. Um, I'm going to yeah. be 45 when my daughter graduates right. high school. Boy, does it sound nice to find someone in the same boat that I could travel with and enjoy. You know, I work full time and I do a lot of other things, but that's still a lot of time on my own, you know, to to have a whole bunch of fun. Um, or, you know, if I happen to meet someone with younger kids, do I have the energy to start all over again? To do this again, yeah. right. So yeah. it's or like, finding someone who doesn't have kids, and that's hard too, because then he doesn't understand, you know, I, I'm not going to use my daughter as a case study because sure. she'll kill me if I do this, but I have seen some <laughs> of the guys that she's dated have had kids and it seemed like it got serious faster and other guys are 30 and never married and maybe still living at home. And, you know, so there's definitely a balance there. Let me go back a little bit. If you don't mind, I'd love to, you, you mentioned, you opened it up. You mentioned you've been married twice. Um, I know we've talked about that a little bit in the past when we weren't recording, mm -hmm. What did you learn? I'm going to less about them and more about you. What have you learned going through? I was divorced. I got divorced at 20, 27, remarried at almost 29 to a girl that I'm still married to. And we met in high school. So Lorian and I, we've, yeah, we've been best friends long before we were ever married. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about you through the, through this process now and going back is having been through a couple of failed, I, yeah, I hate the word okay. failed, I understand. but you know, two marriages that mm -hmm. are no longer. Right. What did you learn about you that uh, that you're bringing with you, hopefully, as you go forward? Yeah, so thanks. That's a really good question, and that's kind of the big overwhelming point of all of this is that I'm yeah. still growing, I'm still healing, and I'm still becoming, you know, a, a better human being out of both of those relationships or marriages. Um, I have a big, wide-open heart, and... I wear it on my sleeve and I'm very, I'm a very direct communicator. So I, um, I tend to give a lot of myself and mm -hmm. what I have found is that I need a partner who is similar. I need someone who is vulnerable, who is as thoughtful as me, who is as loving and caring to have a balanced relationship with rather than, um, someone who needs to be rescued or helped or healed or hmm. made to feel whole or made to feel happy. Yeah. You can't do that. I've learned that now. I know that no matter how hard I try or how much I give, I, I can't, um, I can't make someone, you know, um, healthy, happy, uh, well-adjusted, whatever you want to say. Right. And it took me, a long time, you know, to, to figure all <laughs> yeah. of that out because, sure. you know, I'm not a quitter for one and I, um, mm -hmm. I care a lot. So honestly, yeah. what I, what I'm really careful about now, and also I have fallen very hard and very fast a lot in my life. So slowing down, taking the time, um, to build a relationship slowly is definitely top of mind with me. I do feel um, kind of with, and I don't have regrets. I wouldn't, I'm not speaking about like my past marriages in a regretful way. Um, I loved, or I could say I still love both of them for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, one, I have a beautiful, healthy, great daughter yeah. out of it, and she's awesome. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in my second marriage, I got to help raise two tremendous mm -hmm. young ladies. So I would yeah. never regret any of that. Um, but I am grateful for the lessons I've learned and from what I'm taking away. And it definitely does um, help me now to have no agenda. Um, when I... And I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but after Lainey's dad and I um, split up and I was 30 and she was four, I was ready for more kids. I mean, I wanted that traditional that family point. unit. I wanted more children. I wanted um, a, 
a daily father figure for Lainey's dad because I had moved us to a different city. Um, I wanted that kind of, you know, traditional family feel right away. And it did kind of, you know, skew my visions in some ways of trying to force that to happen. Um, so now in my 40s, I have no plan. Like for the first time in my life, hmm. I have no agenda. I have no timeline. I have... Yeah. I don't even know. I just kind of take every day for what it is. And I'm really happy where I'm at right now in life. And I kind of view dating more as um, making friends, you know, everyone right. has something to give. And if I go on a date and, um, you know, it's not a good match for whatever reason, I can still take away you know, hey, you know, this is a nice, smart man who's got something to offer. And I have a whole bunch of friends now because of yeah. because of that. Yeah. And that's okay. Do you find yourself being a matchmaker? Do you ever find that guy that you're maybe not compatible with? But man, I have this girlfriend that would be great with you. you. Or do you ever, have you, you know, done much I'm, of that? I'm always thinking that. I have um, really only one other girlfriend in Kansas City, in my city, who is actively dating we definitely share um, stories, opinions, because we yeah. do find ourselves meeting the same people. <laughs> and I am always kind of thinking for her, but isn't that funny? Someone like, I mean, I have a lot of friends. I know a lot of yeah. people. Um, I don't work in a traditional office. I visit doctor's offices all day long, which expands my professional reach greatly. And I don't have very many single friends at all. So it's, yeah. it's, um, maybe part of that is living in the Midwest, you know, living, I don't, I don't know, living in a little suburb of, of a city, more traditional family yeah. values where it's all the white picket fences and the 3.2 kids and all of that fun stuff totally. too. So mm -hmm. do you hear common themes as you talk to your girlfriends who are where you are? And you mentioned that a lot of your friends, obviously, as you just said, but you do have at least the one and maybe a few others that you get to know through these, these events and so forth that you're either hosting or attending. Yes that there are common themes, like, I guess the question is, you fall hard and fast, as you mentioned, is there something that traditionally or typically is that tipping point where you've gone from, wow, this guy might be the guy to something, something happens or a characteristic or is there something that you're seeing as kind of a thread or a common theme a common with theme you of, or with others you talk about? Of, like why, of why you eventually realize this isn't really the right, the right guy. Yeah, in, in my most recent experience, which is limited, um, I haven't really gotten that far. I've, I've met a couple of men that I've actually gone so far as to say, oh my gosh, I think I might have like boyfriend material here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. what I, one of the common threads, and this is really, really typical in online dating, is um, the ghosting pattern or the just kind of falling off pattern where you communicate hot and heavy, you get to know each other and, you know, both of you are very excited and it's kind of a lot of texting is, is really the root of everything is texting is so convenient. It's so easy. It is a way to get to know someone, but, um, it can also be a big fat waste of time <laughs> because well, yeah, I, you know, you're, you're I've like done going, that. Going, and then maybe one of you gets busy and there's a week where you're just not texting because yeah, you're or you on go a business on a trip date just, and you're like, Oh yeah. wow. Um, he was so witty and sweet in text messages, but in person, his personality is coming across totally differently. Um, so I think, yeah. I think the online dating, I, and it's really, I, I don't even like to say online dating. That's what dating is now. If we're not yeah. meeting on an app, we're meeting through Instagram, we're meeting through Facebook, we're meeting through, it's still online, you know, very few um, introductions are through friends, family, and meeting someone face to face, I feel like, and I, I really do think that the common thread or the, the biggest complaint about dating in this point of our lives is kind of that, um, that competitive vibe, like, like everyone thinks that there's something greater around the corner. Like they get excited. Yeah. They go on a couple of dates. They like the person, but it's like, but what's behind door number three? Like, you know, it's a, it's a very weird environment of like, like almost 
almost like you can just toss the person aside because oftentimes you don't. I have to swipe right yeah, again and there might be I'll somebody. Just, in I'll yeah. just get back on my phone behind the comfort of my text messages and I'll tell her I'm busy and I'll blow her off for a couple of weeks or I'll, I'll just, you know, slow roll this guy because this other guy might you know, come back around or whatever. It's, it's very, very common. And there's lots of like, to your point, like on clubhouse, I listen in on a lot of like dating rooms and people talking and there's all these funny terms for the things that happen. I mean, ghosting you're familiar with, you know, you just don't hear from that person either after a date or we called it the silent treatment when I was a kid, you know, whether it was dating or not, you just give somebody the silent treatment or you just go dark on them or yes, get off the radar. Dark. There's a That's, lot of, yep. yeah, that, um, yeah. that happens. But the funniest one, and this happens to me a lot and it's the submariner. That's somebody that you've gotten to know or gone on dates with you kind of fall off for no good reason and then they come back like three months later mm. six months later they pop back up they resurface and they're like so how have you been lately you know I haven't yeah like you just been sitting around, i'm just gonna wait. Uh -huh. yeah they've been off dating and and swiping right yep. all day long with others and then they come back oh, i wonder if stacy's still around yep Happens yeah i can't time. even imagine i mean i when when laurianne and i met we were in high school 1980s mm -hmm. we got married in the early 90s so this isn't something i've ever experienced and honestly, it's not something it, it intrigues me only in that I know it's a real thing. Right. It's not something that I mean, I've, you know, Lorraine and I constantly talk about how if we it, what helps with us is we have a foundation. We've known each other forever. We, we had the same friends as teenagers and so forth and a lot of the same friends now. What uh, it seems like it would be. I'm having some ahas as you're talking, yeah. so I'm having trouble formulating some questions because they're not questions I thought of until just now. One of the questions is, it seems like, yeah, there's probably more options now than maybe ever before, because you can literally go into any social media platform, for example, or Bumble or Tinder, or whatever those other ones are. I don't even know about it. I've heard about it, right. but I don't know. Um, and certainly see a, a variety, a variety is the wrong word, but a, a high quantity of options. Whereas if you're meeting people through your church or you go to the same bar or you go to the same places, like how most people met 20, 30 mm -hmm. years ago, fewer options, but maybe an opportunity to go deeper in a relationship with someone potentially. Are you finding that, I'm sure you still meet people the natural, organic way, not online. Have you had better success or worse? What's the difference been between guys maybe you've gone out with that you met yeah. in real life versus on, on screen? So I'm trying to think back to the previous period of the my last life. time you met somebody. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, I have been set up well, I was set up right away after my first divorce with an eligible bachelor, um, and we dated. It was a good setup. He's he's a good guy. It made sense. We got along well. Um, I actually talk about him in my rebound <laughs> episode hmm. of one of my new nice. shows that I've already recorded because I do consider him to be a rebound. I was set up by close friends, totally trust them. Um, and we kind of had a dysfunctional year and a half together <laughs> where we kind <laughs> of had a whole bunch of fun and then it got yeah. kind of serious and then he broke up with me and then he broke up with me again and then he finally broke up with me a third time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a charm, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so... You know, I guess to your point, the good thing was we were, our first date was spent with another couple that, you know, they both knew each of us individually. Um, I knew a lot about his background, his family, his group of friends, his personality. I mean, my friend let me in on everything, you know, girls dish so much more than men. I knew his dating past. I knew his relationship history. And there's that window into, um, kind of that deeper level of what kind of a human being is he. Um, whereas everything online, if it's Facebook, Instagram messaging or, or online dating, it's shallow. It's so shallow. Mm -hmm. You can, you can write a good descriptor of yourself. You can be very clear about what you're looking for online. And I am still of the opinion a lot of time, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I need to talk to more men about it probably. I think they just look at pictures hmm. and swipe. I don't even think yeah. it gets read. You know, I don't even know that yeah. when I, especially someone who spent a lot of time online because it oddly is exhausting. It really is. It, it really wears you down after a while if you're yeah. on those apps a lot. Um, so I think it, 
I think it's just very, very shallow. And I don't it and I don't even mean that negatively. I just think it's not a very deep connection unless you make yeah. it one. And I think sure. when you meet someone on your own or through someone, first of all, you kind of have that vested, I need to treat this person right. You should always be that way, but I think people are more accountable um for what kind of a polite date they are or what kind of you know what how they treat the other person when other people are involved um or if they you know go out of their way to walk across a room to try to you know meet someone and ask for a phone number that's that takes you have to invest a little bit of yourself and yeah. it's just so easy when you're in the swiping mode just to yeah you know you can just kind of um you know be um, just care careless, I guess, with other people's yeah. emotions. It seems like it can be somewhat counterintuitive too, because I've always heard the phrase, the best time to find someone is when you're not looking. Right. It's like a job or a, a relationship or what have you. It's usually when you're not looking, it just kind of happens. Whereas in these apps, you're there because you're looking. Yes. I mean, you're, you're actively, you're, you're man shopping as you, as the That's title right. of your podcast indicates, you're, you're literally out there like on Amazon shopping for Christmas gifts. You're, you're out there shopping and browsing all the different departments and looking to see what all of the uh, options are. Yeah. You talked about themes. You talked about the rebound episode. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that means that your your podcast episodes coming out are going to be different themes. What are some of the themes that you have already recorded or the, that are coming up? Yeah. So um, my first episode is really just a very deep dive introduction into who I am since my podcast really does kind of just revolve around my own experiences. And I draw from the experiences of my 30s with a small child as well as now and what I'm kind of learning as I go. So I thought it was important for people to really understand. Um, I, I've been married most of my adult life. You know, I've been right. um, a wife to two different men for seven plus years each. Um, and both of those uh, marriages and divorces held, as I think every divorce does, a certain amount of um, trauma and em emotional toll. And so I tell my stories pretty transparently, trying to hmm. um, definitely not you know, shine a, a negative light, but just tell the truth of, of what I've been yeah. through in the past. And I made a point in the introductory episode to say, you know, if, if I can come out of, you know, basically 15 years of really tough stuff and still be optimistic that I'm going to find somebody great someday, that I'm going to be happy yeah. by myself, that I'm going to confidently um, raise my daughter in a wonderful, loving environment where she sees her mom not only doing well day in and day out, but really thriving, thriving um, yeah. is important to me. And if I can help other women do that, even better. So I'm trying to strike a balance. And as you know, I'm brand new at this and I'm learning. Um, I felt like, oh my gosh, I hope that wasn't such a downer. I mean, in my intro, <laughs> I'm like trying to spread happiness and, you know, but it wasn't. You're a pretty happy person. You have all, yeah. you're always smiling every time I've seen you, you're smiling. Yeah. So, so yeah. but I, but I want to share the, the realistic stuff. So I, so I yeah. did the introduction. Um, my second episode was no judgment because it's so easy for anyone, obviously, to be really judgy, but similar, like I've been divorced twice. I was terrified to go online and have to explain, uh, yes, I've, I've been married twice, divorced twice. Let me, it's like, you know, flags, flags, flags. What's wrong with you? How did you, you know, how did you make these mistakes? That's what I was worried. Like it's all just you, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. so, or I, I guess too, when I was, when um, after my most recent divorce, I purposefully was trying to meet men who did not have children and maybe had never been married before because I hmm. was like, it just seemed easier. It seemed less complicated because I just had come out of the blended family um, situation that was full of challenges. I mean, it, it just is full of great things, but also full of a lot of challenges. And I was so um, kind of worn out from all of it that I'm like, I don't right now. I don't want to 
talk about all the kids stuff and I don't want to deal with all of it. So I purposefully dated like three guys who had never been married before, like right in a row. And, um, what I learned from each of them was their stories were totally different. The reasons Mm -hmm. that they were in their forties and had never been married were all across the board. But when I would tell people in my life, my mother, my friends, men and women, yeah, he's, you know, one of them was 45 and he'd never been married. And they're like, oh, what's wrong with him? Red flag, red flag. Yeah, exactly. I remember saying to my own mom, I was like, yeah, his mom is probably like, what? She's, you know, she has a teenager and she's been divorced twice. What's going on with her? So anyway, yeah. it was important to me to kind of get that out there, not just like with marital status or like what your divorce situation is, but just in general. Um, I learned, I shared my first recording with some close family and friends just to get some feedback. And I know I should have sent it to like anonymous people who don't know me that well to get better feedback. <laughs> but uh, sure. Well, you still can, right? Yeah, yeah. And I will. And I, yeah. yeah, and I've continued to do so. But I also got like, are you sure you want to cuss? Because I am like huh. a prim and proper. I really am. I come across, you know, a certain way. But it was important to me that my podcast sound like I'm talking to my girlfriends. You're real. You're real. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm very yeah. loose in my podcast. And um, and it, that was funny to me, too, because I, I think you and I have talked about Christianity a little bit. I am mm-hmm. definitely a Christian. My faith is a big piece of my life. Um, right. But I don't equate cussing and Christianity in the same boat. So it's oh, like, hell no. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm the same way. I mean, I, you know, my, my audience and my, for my podcast is very much the professional working professional leadership. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the title from the heart implies that we're really getting into the heart of why people do what they do. And that's what we're doing here today as well with you. So it's less about, you know, a prim and proper and it's, it fits in a package with every guest I have. Um, and more just about what, why do people do what they do? But yeah, they you know, the audience is, is, it's a uh, PG ish, sure. you know, we cross into PG 13 from time to time and we stay in G from time to time as well. It just really depends on the, the guest and the topic and so forth. You have a so, diverse, um, cause we could go really R rated in some of the things when it comes sure. to dating as well as well. And I'll stay away from that. Yes. But, um, are you finding, I, I hear from people again, a lot of this, I'm, ta- I'm not talking first person here because I got married right. at 22 and again at 29, I've been married virtually my whole adult life. Mm-hmm. Very fortunate that, like I said, now married to a woman that's my best friend and we have, you know, perfect. No, nothing's perfect, but we, it, it works. Sure. 28 years, seven kids or seven grandkids, four kids. It's working. I love that. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, even when things are rough, we still have that friendship and that foundation, which is so critical. I hear from people that I know, family and otherwise that the older you get, ironically, the more selective you get. It might be because you have a 16-year-old daughter, but it might be that and other things. Are you finding with you as well that you you do get more selective as you've gotten older? Yeah, I think it kind of waxes and wanes a little bit. <laughs> and what sure. I mean, like <laughs> we, I and I talk about that too. We're all kind of like on this journey of recovering from our divorces, finding ourselves, figuring out, um, hopefully learning, you know, constantly from what we've been going through. So I've gone through periods of time where I'm bored. I really just want to go on a date with a really fun guy. Mm-hmm. I no longer care what he does for a living. I don't get, you know, just want to laugh. Yeah, yeah. I just want to have fun with somebody. And, and so I've done that. Um, but I now have a clearer picture. Um, from my dating experience of what I'm looking for. It really took me until, this sounds funny, a couple of weeks ago, I met someone. um, I was actually set up through a matchmaker on Clubhouse. Hmm. There are a lot of matchmakers active on Clubhouse, and I've been asked by a few of them to submit my information to be part of like their pool that they can draw from for their clients. And I met a man who happens to be just incredibly dynamic, Um, just very charismatic, incredibly intelligent. I just think the world of him, kind, thoughtful, and funny, really funny. Hmm. Um, That was what I've been missing on a lot of my dates and a lot of the men that I've met over the past uh, year and a half or so is that laugh factor. And I need that. And it just, it just hit me recently that that was 
one of the biggest differences with him that that I think was lacking with some other men because I would come home from dates and I'm like I don't know I mean he's smart he's got a great job he's a good dad you know and I'm like there's just something he's not my guy Bland. that's like my tagline yeah. he's not my guy I don't know what it is yeah. so I definitely you said you know I smile a lot I'm happy I I want someone with that kind of energy too so where are you with this guy he recently told me <laughs> that he doesn't You said have... nothing's off limits. Oh no, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um yeah. I'm honestly I'm a little sad. Um he is um the CEO of a company. He has four children ranging 7 years to 13 years and he's busy and he travels yeah. a ton and he lives in a different city. And when we first met, he thought that there were direct flights in between our cities and he thought he could swing it and so we zoomed and we talked and we texted and we really only went out on one real date he he flew to mm. kansas city we had a fantastic date we had a second date lined up that we were going to meet in a different city i was totally willing to do that i i don't have some of the demands on my life that he has if I want to make excuses for him. But he just, he's like, I can't do it. He's like, I just don't have the time in my life to devote to dating long distance. Sure. And I get it. I get it. Has to be convenient. Sure. And I would think that that's another of the um, pitfalls, if you will, of the online dating yes. scene too, is that, you know, People say, oh, I'm willing to relocate. And then what comes down to it, it's like, well, yeah, you know, my parents are here. My, you know, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. It's like, I really don't want to relocate. Yeah, that that has to be really tough. It's funny on that on that point because I I love the idea of dating someone out of town. It's like thrilling, exciting, fun to like hmm. travel. And, and I also um, am really content and happy in my day-to-day and my life with my daughter. And so I'm like, I like cooking with my girl every night and hanging out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I would, I would love the idea of seeing someone on the weekends and going on vacations and, and all of that. I just, um, I'm finding it's not very realistic because I have yet to find a guy that's yeah. like, that's what I'm looking for too. <laughs> because even yeah. a handful of men from other cities, because I've dated several men in different cities and it's always them. They're not willing, able, content, happy enough with what I would, the time that I'm able to give. And I joke with my girlfriends. I'm like, men want a girlfriend cuddling on the couch on Wednesday night. And I, I, Hmm. that's not me right now, but I I do think that, that, yeah. Unless you find a guy in Kansas city that, you know, has time and isn't running a company with four young kids and everything else, then who knows, right? Hello, my name is John Royce Lynch, founder and CEO of PCMA Private Client. As a former professional surfer and native of Southern California, I have always enjoyed Wahoo's fish tacos. When the pandemic hit, the response by Wahoo's was unparalleled, creating the California Love Drop by supporting frontline workers and those in need. On behalf of the PCMA Private Client community and our amazing team, it is an honor to be able to support this noble effort. To lend a hand and to learn more, please visit californialovedrop.org. What do you hope your audience takes away from your episodes on man shopping? I hope they find joy. That's what I hope. I hope that they hear my enthusiasm, my optimism, my happiness, and they think, you know, how about make the most of your life where you're at right now? I think a lot of women, but men too, are always, you know, thinking ahead, like, I'm a big planner. I'm very type A. Like I told you earlier, I've never had a time in a period in my life where I don't really know what's coming next because I've always planned my career, planned my, you know, having my daughter, all of that was on this beautiful timeline that I set out for myself. And now I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, here I am. I'm 43. I didn't expect to be divorced again. My daughter's in high school. We're living alone. Um, and I've done, I've put a lot of things in place in, in my life um, to create happiness and joy. And it is it's something, it's kind of, I guess I'm working on my relationship with myself. I'm working on my relationship with sure. my daughter. And I'm putting a lot of time and energy into figuring out what is it that makes me happy every day. And sometimes it's little things. We talked before this. I love coffee. 
I, I've been taking my daughter to brunch uh, you know, on a lot of weekends. Hmm. That's like a new thing we do. We go to brunch together. I look forward to that. Honestly, it's different, I know, as much as I would to going on a date on a Friday night with a man. Like, I'm finding a lot of um, fun and good times outside of, you know, um, a relationship. And she's at that age, too, where she's, you can have adult conversations, but she's still a kid. She's still 16. She's still your daughter. But you can still have those adult-type relationships. And she's aware of what you're doing, so she knows. And she's 16, and she's boy shopping right. right now. It's not really exactly. magic, but yeah, she's boy shopping. Yeah. And so, you know, I know when I was 16, it was all about, you know, I was going to be a professional athlete until girls be- right. got m- on my radar. You darn <laughs> girls, know. you know, totally tell you, I mean, but, um, what's the, uh, you mentioned you in an email you sent to me earlier today, as we were talking about this a little bit, there was a podcast called love. What is love it? Over love over addiction yeah. to change your life. Can you share that story? Absolutely. Um, in my second marriage, um, my ex-husband struggles with an addiction to alcohol, and it was one of the components, um, the, the main component at the end that led to our separation and divorce, and I struggled horribly with it at the, the last year of our marriage, and, you know, alcoholism or addiction um, is a better term in our society is a secret. It's something everybody hides and doesn't talk about. And I fell into that category. Our closest friends had no idea what was really going on in our house. Um, and of course it was balanced with a ton of love and good times and, you know, everything else too. It was a piece. It was just a piece of our life. And I reached out to a close friend of mine and confided in her because she had confided in me. She was about a year or two ahead of me, um, in her younger marriage. Um, And she was reading books. She was going to therapy. She was educating herself. And she shared with me um, Michelle Anderson's podcast. And I took a listen. And it struck a chord like you just wouldn't believe. It was incredible. This was a regular woman talking through her microphone to me. She was a wife. She was a mother. She was a nurse by trade. She was not a therapist. She was not an addiction specialist, you know, counselor or anything. She was a woman trying to help other women. And um, she gave very um, practical tips, advice on how to keep yourself um, healthy, happy, safe, how to look out for your children, resources, tips, and and just regular stuff like, hey, if you come home and this happens, these are my suggestions on how you handle this very common situation. Um, I told my friend Jenna, who introduced me to the podcast, I said, Jenna, I feel like Michelle Anderson has cameras in my house. Like this, <laughs> she's yes, watching every move. Yeah, she knows exactly yeah. what I'm going through. <laughs> she is. She does such a good job of articulating, and the empathy level that she shares is just something you can't make up. And um, yeah. she has helped thousands and thousands and thousands of families. You know, not just women, but families, children, spouses, all of that. Either heal and recover and get through the you know addiction together or separate and find happiness and health and and everything outside of that relationship together. And that's what it did to me, for me. It it gave me an education that I would not have received otherwise. I mean, she recommended books. I did start going to an Mm -hmm. addiction therapist. I shared all of it with my husband who was not ready or, you know, did not want my, my help. In fact, it very typical. It just made him mad, you know, but it helped my daughter and I, um, and I want to pay it forward. I, I listened to that podcast. It changed my life. Um, I think I don't know where I would be right now. I don't think I would feel, look all of as healthy as I am today. And as beaming with, you know, energy (laughs) and, and um, faith and all of this if it wasn't for her podcast. And my topics are silly, you know, some of them, and some of them are, are whatever, um, lighthearted and not as deep and, and um, big of topics as she covered. But, but 
they still could help somebody, hmm. you know? Sure. And being able to... Well, and to help a relationship, you have to help the one. I mean, that's yep. the th I think that's the key, too, is we always think marriage, you know, marriage therapy or what have you is about the couple, and it is, but ultimately each individual has to be willing to make a sacrifice and a change and modify their behavior and so forth. And hopefully in both cases, they'll both want to do yes. that. But like you said, you mentioned it to your ex and he's just like all defensive, like, Hey, I, I don't have a problem or I don't, you're the problem. I'm not the problem. I, I wasn't there. I didn't have all a camera, but yeah. I, I've heard the words. I've seen the movies. It's so yeah. yeah. And I went through a divorce yeah. once. So. It's incredible how um, textbook, you know, pretty much, spanning almost any type of addiction if it's gambling if it's opioids if it's alcohol if it's sex it's yeah. all kind of the same i mean the behaviors are all very very similar um and i, I it was just a very big journey of learning and yeah. to learn I, I, I guess I just appreci appreciated her authenticity and her vulnerability and just the i loved the idea that I was getting real information. You know, I mean, it was real. She had lived it. She was, right. she was sharing her own experiences. So I'm drawing from her podcast tremendously, like a, a lot. I, I use, I find myself almost like emulating her in some ways on a, on a different topic, just out of like, I listened to her for so many hours, the way that she spoke and, and why it, meant so much to me and I certainly would not want to copycat someone but that's how much I admire her yeah um no that's good I because just, that's yeah. you know that is one of the great I mean there's not a lot of original things this does feel original to me what you're doing um <laughs> you're you're packaging it and labeling it in a way that a lot of other people are thinking about I think and so that's cool so taking ideas from others I mean my podcast oftentimes I'll sit here and go what would Jonathan Field say right now from Good Life Project or what would Guy Raz say in this situation, and I'm not trying right. to replicate and be them, but these guys are experts at, at, at this. They've done podcasts. They've done thousands of these things. I've done 63 of them. Or, and that's a lot. You know, Congratulations. Well, yeah, and you'll get to this point very quickly as well. And you and you you have an audience that is, um, I think, what what's going to make yours work, number one, you. The first thing has to be the host. The second thing has to, you know, the humor and the, and the relatability of it. And uh, just from what I've heard so far from you and in other conversations and hearing you in other other venues where we've been before online, the the relatability and the personality and, and how real you are, which is really great. I think that's going to be something that people are going to be appealed. It's going to be appealing to people. Talk about your faith. You brought up the word faith. I was going to bring it up, but you beat me to it. Yeah. How how is Again, no experience here. You know, I've I've not been where you are at all. Um, how does your faith help you or hinder you if it does at all in all of this? I think it hundred percent helps. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I feel like I every day when I wake up, and this is how I have felt almost out of the gates. I have felt alone. I have cried. I have, I've had all of the, and I still do have the dark days like everyone does, but I have this really, I felt like this at other times in my life too, like this real big burning sense that I'm on to really big things. Um, mm -hmm. I call it the Holy spirit, call it, call it whatever you want, but I really right. feel like I have this, I have so much to share and so much to give. Um, and I'm doing it. I'm putting it into action. I'm putting myself out there in ways that kind of shock myself sometimes, honestly. Yeah. But I feel like it's not just me. You know, it's not just me. I think a lot of it is God working inside of me. Um, I get almost teary yeah. thinking like that. But I think that there are great things in store for my daughter and I. And um, really the growth Lainey, my daughter and I have always been tight. We have always had a, a great relationship, but part of her maturity and growing older, part of us being on our own, um, also COVID and the extra amount of time that we've had together over, you know, the past year, mm -hmm. all of it has played into it, but, um, so much good has come from yeah. so many hard times and the relationship that I have with her and seeing her faith grow 
um, is tremendous. And why wouldn't I want to share that with other people? Um, it all starts, it's kind of like good leadership or good management, right? It starts at the top and trickles down. And I, I hope, and I'm, I mean, I definitely have my faults and my mistakes in parenting and all of that, but I hope that I can share that with other moms or, or dads out there too, that are single parents that feel despair at times. But man, if we can just show a, a good shining example of, of, um, you know, trying to good be trying to just be good people, you know, a lot yeah. of good can come from this. Um, but it, it's sad because I, I feel like, um, there's just a lot of negativity, a lot of negativity surrounding life after divorce, surrounding dating. I mean, I can't even tell you how many online dating profiles I've seen that say, you know, save me, get me out of here. Like people just like, oh, wow. yeah. you know, that's in their, yeah. their bio because they hate it so much. And I get it. I mean, I get that it's, it, it's weird. It's hard. It, it's tiresome, but, um, I try really hard to not look at it like that. Think about the last time you bought a gift for a friend or family member. The better you know them, the easier it was to get them something memorable, right? Well, it's the same for brands that want to deliver memorable customer experiences. The better they know their customers, the more likely they are to establish strong relationships, exceed expectations, and build loyalty. At McKenzie, that's what we do. We empower brands to understand and connect with the person behind the purchase, so their customer experiences are meaningful, unique, and truly valuable. Learn more at McKenzieCorp.com. Um, I want to talk back about Lainey for two things. Yeah. Number one, I love the name. My mom was Elaine. She died four years ago, but my dad always called her Lainey. Oh. And I have a, a my nephew has a little girl now named Lainey up in San Francisco. Lainey so is I love, named, love the name. Lainey is yeah, named it, after her great grandmother, Elaine. Really? On her dad's Elaine? side. Yes. And awesome. she she um passed away a few years ago. Um, she was one of my favorite people, my my ex husband's cool. grandmother, and we uh we chose to name Lainey just Lainey instead of Elaine mm -hmm. going by Lainey. That's what my nephew Isn't did with his great? daughter too. Yeah. Lainey. Yeah, same oh, exact cool. thing. So yeah, that's awesome. Tell our audience where Lainey was when COVID hit. I know the story, but you and I oh. haven't talked about it. But in my research, I know a little bit about this. Yeah. So Lainey was on a mission trip with a group of youth from our church. They were um, they were in Guatemala. <laughs> they were in Guatemala. Yeah. They had big plans. Um, they fulfilled about a third of their plans in Guatemala after Lainey was... Um, in and I don't even really remember honestly. My Spanish is terrible to try to say the <laughs> names. It's like Chichicana or something like that. Yeah, I've been there. Like, yeah, yeah. She was. <laughs> uh, it was something like that. Yeah. She um, um, essentially they started their work, which was painting the interior of a cafeteria for an elementary school. They got to visit some villages. They got to go to some markets, and they were kind of just at the beginning of their journey. About three days mm. in. And the government in Guatemala shut down land and air borders. So there was no travel coming. Nobody in, nobody out. Right. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I just, I, it was scary, clearly scary mm -hmm. because yeah. um, we didn't know. You weren't together, were. first of all. Yeah. Yeah. We were separated and I didn't know for how yeah. long. Um, yeah. I knew that she was in exceptional hands with the leadership that she was with. I had full faith in all of them. There were just the little bit of unknowns, um, clearly. So yeah, it was a, it was a very, um, stressful, you know, week mm -hmm. or so. It didn't take that sure. long to get them back, but it was an interesting yeah. lesson too, in how, um, social media, not just social media, media in general, and politics plays into interesting, like they needed to be ext extricated, I guess. Is that the right word? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we actually were, were told to post, you know, post openly online about the kids being over there. So I was cautious. I was like, Lainey's safe. She's healthy. She's good. Yeah. However, we do need to get these kids home. Um, and essentially um, a local... Missouri senator stepped up and put a 
like a task force on it and helped us um, find an airline that could get access to Guatemala City Airport. And it was, yeah, it was like covert operation. Like, like the embassy wasn't a lot of help. It took a lot of time. Um, And one day the leadership, uh, the adults went out of their hotel room and there was like an envelope with plane tickets, like get on this flight at 1130 at night. And you're like, really? Is this real? How did this happen? Is this a movie? (laughs) But yeah, it was crazy. She's like, mom, I know what I'm going to write my, you know, college college entrance you know ex- essays about i've had an experience <laughs> she's got some stories yeah, absolutely stories. yeah 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 we did a mission trip in 2016 to guatemala you as did. well so when i read the story of that i thought wow i wonder if they went into some of the areas where we were yeah we didn't get stuck because of covid or any other reason and we fulfilled all, everything we went Good to do you. but yeah yeah I it was pretty that. cool it was it was a great experience well she's going back she's going back soon actually awesome to um to get the full experience in so yeah yeah. Maybe. So my second, or at least my last, I don't know if it's my second or third Laney question. What, what's your hope for her when it comes to who she, she's 16. She's not finding her husband soon, right? right? Yeah. But you know, Definitely. maybe if she's found him already, she's not pursuing it and, and going after it for now, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they've met. What's your hope for her? What, what, what life lessons have you had that she hopes that she does get to go through? And what lessons have you had? The, obviously the two divorces you don't want for her, but I mean, other than the obvious, what are some things that maybe you hope that she doesn't have to experience? Yeah. So we, I started kind of coaching Lainey on some of this relationship stuff at a young age because I have, I do feel like I've experienced a, a, a good amount of, um, hardships in relationships. And I don't want that for my daughter. So, um, I recognized early on like middle school, high school, um, some friendships that were unbalanced that, um, you know, saying, let's make plans and do this. Oh, something better came up. Now I'm not free to do that with you. Things like that. Little things that happen in young, you know, relationships between girlfriends. And so I started telling her, you know, well, that's not okay. First of all, that's not polite. She should have, she shouldn't have canceled on you. Um, Also, how does that make you feel? You know, she's chosen someone else's time and activity over yours. Um, don't you feel like, you know, that you're deserving of a friend who chooses you, um, little things like that. And then I just kind of have started morphing it into boys (laughs) as that has happened over the course of time. But my daughter, um, I guess I would say similar to me. She's a sweetie. She's just a sweet (laughs) girl. She just is. And, um, I, I guess my biggest fear is that that would go unreciprocated or unappreciated. I hope that she finds someone as kind-hearted and as trusting. Lainey has this ability better than I do to always see the good in people. She's Mm. the last person to talk ill of someone. She always wants to think that people have good motives and, you know, are are really good people. And that is such a gift. I mean, I've noticed that from young ages in um, listening to her talk about her peers and her teachers and other people. And I hope that never goes away. Um, but I also hope she doesn't get taken advantage of because she does see, you know, the good so much. So I think for her, um, I just want her to find someone as kind hearted, um, and sweet as she is. And yeah, the upside to, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, that's really. (laughs) I should say the upside to seeing potential in people is that you see potential in people, but the downside is that you see potential Sometimes when it's not there or you hang on to a relationship, it's, there's a, 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 a assessment tool called Strengths Finder you may be familiar with. And one of the things that it does is it identifies thir- your top five of 34 potential strengths and developer is the one. And it sounds like she has a lot of that in herself and you might as well. I surely and, do. And, and the yeah. potential, that's something um, mm-hmm. that... I am very acutely aware of now um, is uh, yeah. I think is, is it a Maya Angelou quote that, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time or whatever. Um, I've found that to be true. I think men in particular tend to be pretty black and white in their communication. So if they perhaps say, you know, I'm pretty lazy, I'm just a, I'm kind of a lazy person. Mm-hmm. I just take it easy. I'm just lazy. 
I used to be that person that would go, oh, no, you're not. I know you jog sometimes or I know you work right. pretty hard at what you do. Now I'm like, he told me he's lazy. Guess what? Take it for face value. He's lazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's I'm not going to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I try to fight him on that. You know, people are yeah. tend to be, you know, pretty upfront with stuff like that. So if you listen yeah. for it and watch for it. Absolutely. Where do we find your podcast? Where's the best place to go for someone who's listened to you today now and wants to hear more? Where do they find you? And how do they get in touch with you? Anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, all the platforms. I have a website, manshoppingwithstacy.com. Stacy's with an IE. It's not the easiest, but to be honest, manshopping.com was already taken. So, Oh, wow. Interesting. (laughs) What, What is that? Do you know? Have you done any you research know, to find out yeah, what that is? My, my friend Max, who um, does all of my website and a lot of um, social media stuff for me, said that it's somebody out of Germany, and he's tried. He's tried to figure out how we get that domain from him, but we haven't had any success. But honestly, like Instagram's great. I'm trying to build my Instagram yeah. following. It's a it's a great place to um, be able to message one another, and it has my email and my my link to my web website as well. Um, so it's yeah, Stacy Weimer, cool. W I M E R. And we'll post this. I'll send this out, obviously, through all of our podcast platforms as well. And we'll promote it on Clubhouse when we get into rooms and talk. You know, hey, we had this conversation. And, you know, we'll put it on all of our social media as well. How fun. Yeah. What's your What's your biggest, what's your big goal? Take. Uh, let's get out of the, I mean, not, not get out of it. It's not like I want to get away from the topic. But when you think about, like, for you, what's next? I mean, you know, you're, you're man shopping. It's your, it's not only, right? it's not only the topic of your, of your maybe book and certainly podcast now. Yeah. It's also what you're doing, but bigger than that, you talked about being a pharmaceutical medical device salesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a great career. You've got a great daughter you're raising. Mm-hmm. For you personally, uh, aside from the relationships, what's the big next thing for you? You know, if one day I could build a career off of helping other women in the place in life that they are now through speaking, through books, through podcasting, how fulfilling would that be? Um, very. Mm-hmm. And I've been asked, you know, well, what happens if you end up in a relationship or whatever? I'm like, that doesn't yeah, change anything. The theme, right? Right? I thought about that, but yeah. I wasn't, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I've been asked. I mean, it's no surprise. My yeah. dating life might suffer. Um, you know, at first blush, you <laughs> yeah. look me up and I'm man shopping all the time. Um, huh, but I think funny. anyone who takes a moment to dive in and read anything I've ever put out there would see um, the difference. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I would, I, I absolutely love my, my daytime career that I have now. It's very fulfilling and gratifying. Um, but I am a big creative soul. And um, if I find success through sharing my own stories, I mean, I'm putting it all out there. So I, I hope, you yeah. know, um, that yeah. my my podcast and book are successful one day and and maybe I can spread um, spread my message, you know, even wider. So we'll see. We'll see where it takes me. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about paying it forward and you listen you you talked about the Love Over Addiction podcast and certainly paying that forward through the podcast. <clears throat> Talk about last couple questions and then we'll wrap here. Um sure. A mentor or someone in your life that has really been a massive influence on you is who? Um, you know, there's a couple of women that stand out in my mind. One, and this sounds very ironic, was my high school and college boyfriend's mother. Really okay. helped shape me in my influential years. Um, She's a pretty big contrast to my own mother. Um and just the way that she, the wife that she was, the parent that she was, she, she, she just, um, she's a classy lady. My mom is too, but mm. she, this woman was just a little bit different, rubbed off on me in, a little, in some different ways, exposed me to some things in life that I, I don't think I ever would have without her. Um, and then I love, love, love talking about... Um, a woman I worked for in college, I worked in the Office of Career Services, and she was the director. She was the head honcho of, of, of the um, office on campus. And I got to know her personally from my work in the office. And at some point, she asked me to nanny for her family. <laughs> she got in a pinch, mm. and her nanny quit, and she had wow. three kids. And she's like, I trust you. Will you do this job? And through um, 
you know, driving to football practice and feeding the kids chicken nuggets and playing games and being in their home the way that I was, um, she really showed me the balance of a full-time working mother. Um, I really wanted to model the family life that I was seeing, how special her relationship was with her husband and her children. I just looked up to her for so many ways. She was a strong, uh, very professional, very put together lady. And, and she just really stands out in my mind a lot and a great mom, great mom. And I'm still in touch with the kids and everything. It's so weird because they're like, 30 now, but you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, I love that. And the reason I always ask that question too, is because I really like that. Oftentimes I've asked almost all my guests about who their mentors are and leaders that have influenced them. And not only for my own research and oh, that's really cool. But I think that we, we tend to gravitate. We, we usually talk about mentors who have a personality type that we admire that we're trying to be like, or that we are like, and we, we gravitate, you know, like attracts like, as they say. And so I think that's really an important question to think about as you talk with your daughter and talk about others too. So, yeah. And, and it really causes us to stop and think about when I mentor someone, what do I look for? Mm -hmm. And we look for potential. It goes back to that whole developer and potential thing we talked about as well and trust. And are they going to take not the advice, but if they ask us for, for insight or wisdom, what are they going to do with it? Right. So that's a great, that's a well, great way to look at it. This has been fun. I enjoy this. You're, you're not my typical guest, which I guess I could almost say that to all of my guests because right. there's been such variety. But what I loved about this conversation is, number one, it's an area I know nothing about. Usually I know a little something about sure. the topics that I'm talking to. <laughs> I mean, I dated. Yeah, I dated in high right. school. You know, last time I really dated. I mean, I met a girl at 22. We got married. I got divorced and you know, didn't date at all. And then my old best friend from high school and I both found ourselves single and with kids and it just worked. I love but, that. Um, so yeah, so my hope for, for this conversation for my audience is that if they are in a situation where they're looking or they know someone who is, and we all, we're all in one of those two categories, we're looking or, we're, or we know someone who is. Agreed. You know, my daughter, as we talked about at the outset or and others that I know that Hopefully they'll not only gain some wisdom and insight from your experiences and the experiences that you share, mm-hmm. but that they will listen to your podcast and really tune in. Because I, one of the things you and I have talked about before, prior conversation to, to today, was getting in involved in talking with other people about their stories. I'm sure there's a lot of people. Your podcast is so far mostly you talking about your experiences, but I know that you have plans yes. if you haven't already recorded to talk to people and hey, share not just your horror stories, and that's fun. I think a lot of people relate right. to that because we all have horror stories about something. Sure. But, you know, successes as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely yeah. intend on focusing my interviews in a similar vein of what I'm talking about, too. At, yeah. the, at least the funny stuff, the lighthearted stuff. Yeah, um, and or, people or can the relate. positive, yeah. good takeaways. Yeah, there are plenty, yeah. um, to your point earlier, there's plenty of um, success stories, if you will, out there. And I'm yeah. going to put, you know, Lainey and I in that boat right now because we're, we're doing great over here. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have the, the most important relationship in your life going very, very well. Yeah. So that's awesome. I'm so, well, as you know, because you did tell me you've listened to a few episodes, but um, also the name of the podcast is From the Heart, my last name being Heart. But, you know, I also really try to focus in on the why people do what they do and really get to the heart of my guests. So with that, as we wrap up today, and again, I want to thank you for your time today. And I'm really excited about watching your progress with your podcast. And as things go forward, I know you're going to do well. I'm really, I'm certain of that. Thank you. So let me just ask you as we wrap up, Stacey Weimer, mm-hmm. what's in your heart? A lot of love. A lot. 